Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Security Distillery podcast. This podcast is produced by Security Distillery, the student-run think tank of IMSIS, the International Master in Security Intelligence and Strategic Studies. My name is Guus Rotink, and I'm the host of today's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. So today's topic focuses on one of the most tragic issues we've seen in international politics in recent decades, the war in Ukraine. But rather than discussing the already overanalyzed aspects of the conflict, today we want to touch upon an aspect of the conflict that receives less attention, but is nonetheless extremely significant. The impact of the war in Ukraine on international relations within the Caucasus. To discuss this, to discuss this I'm extremely pleased to say that I'm joined by Dr. Aka Baramov, who received his PhD from the University of Groningen and is also an assistant professor at the Department of International Relations and International Organization at the University of Groningen. Amongst others, his field of expertise revolves around energy security, geopolitics, the Caspian Sea regions, uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and Eurasia. Aga, welcome. Thank you very much, Chris, for having me today. Okay, yeah, thank you as well for being here. And today we're not in Glasgow, we're also not in Dublin, we're not in Trento or in Prague, but rather we are at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands, which is also my alma mater. And I would like to extend my sincerest thanks to the university uh, for allowing the security distillery to be here and make use of the university's excellent facilities. So, Aga, again, thank you for being here with us and welcome to our podcast. Uh, before we start, could you introduce yourself shortly and let our ni- listeners know who you are? Yes, thanks a lot. I think you did already excellent introduction uh, mm-hmm. about uh, uh, me and about my academic affiliation. I would uh, also add that I'm currently as a research fellow, visiting research fellow at the University of Zurich uh, under the uh, Center of uh, Eastern European Studies. And next year, uh, I will also be a visiting fellow at the University of Vienna, also South Caucasus Studies, uh, where I will do research on uh, resilience uh, in the South Caucasus. And among others, I'm also, as you mentioned, uh, focused on energy security as well and how it influenced the regional conflicts in the Caspian Sea. Well, very interesting, and I'm uh, looking forward to our discussion. Um, yeah, and today, our focus is going to be on the impact of the conflict uh, in Ukraine on the Caucasus region, with a special focus on Armenia and Azerbaijan. Before we do this, however, we shortly touch upon the conflict in Ukraine itself as it stands. So what we have seen is a devastating impact uh, of the war in Ukraine uh, through countless photos and videos. Uh, the conflict has also already been described as the first TikTok war. Um, through these images, we've seen horrific consequences and an uh, an open war has in the f- 24th century. Uh, images from Bucha, Irpin, and Mariupol, amongst other places, have shocked the world. And reports vary, but it's estimated that both Ukraine and Russia have already lost over 10,000 soldiers. On top of that, countless civilians have perished and Russian armed forces have widely been accused of committing war crimes. The fight now concentrates itself on the Donetsk and Luhansk regions, where Ukrainians are making a firm stand against the Russian forces. The future of the conflict is unknown, but its implications are uh, there for the world to see. In a historic turn of events, Germany, for example, altered its foreign policy by significantly sending arms to Ukraine and investing heavily in its military. Sweden, after two centuries of neutrality, has taken steps to join NATO, and so has Finland, a move that would increase NATO's border with Russia by 1,340 kilometers. Even Switzerland, the cradle of neutrality, has also moved in support of its sanctions against uh, Vladimir Putin's regime. However, the conflict has many more implications and effects on international relations than one might at first suspect. The Caucasus region, with its infamous past conflicts in Georgia and Nagorno-Karabakh, 
It's one of such regions that are indirectly affected by the war in Ukraine. Today, the aim of our conversation is to convey these implications to our listeners with a special focus on the ongoing struggle between Armenia and Azerbaijan. So, Aga, thanks again for, for being with us. Uh, some of our listeners might be very well informed on the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan, but some might not be. Uh, could you give us a short but comprehensive overview of the struggle between Armenia and Azerbaijan over Nagorno-Karabakh and also Russia's role in this conflict? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you very much also uh, discussing this uh, conflict as well. As you said, it's one of the uh, under-discussed and uh, lack of attention uh, received except for the 2020 war. Uh, well, it has a very uh, sophisticated and uh, complex history, uh, but for our listeners that uh, are not aware of this conflict, uh, the modern version of this conflict uh, started in early, uh, in the late uh, 1980s, so in the 1989, uh, when the revolution started uh, in the Soviet, uh, let's say, movements actually started within all over the Soviet Union, and then one of them, uh, independence movement, also started in the South Caucasus. And uh, first it started as a separatist, uh, let's say, movement uh, in the Karabakh region. Uh, and then uh, later, uh, in the 1990s until 1994, it became a, a full-scale war between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. And this war uh, ended in 1994 with the Bishkek Protocol, uh, which uh, facilitated, by the way, uh, Russia, and uh, since then, uh, since 1994 until 2020, uh, Minsk Group, uh, uh, let's say, established and uh, the OSE Minsk, Minsk Group, yes, OSE Minsk Group under the chair uh, of uh, Russia, uh, United States, and France. Uh, they were busy with the uh, peace negotiation. And uh, when we discussed the uh, Karabakh uh, conflict, everyone referred it as you also. Uh, did is a Nagorno-Karabakh conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan, but it includes not only Nagorno-Karabakh, because Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, let's say, uh, is one part of this conflict, but it also includes seven surrounding regions. Mm -hmm. And these seven surrounding regions actually has a population of one million, uh, let's say, ethnic Azeris. Uh, and uh, usually in the, in the Western media, except for the academics, uh, this is referred as a Karabakh conflict. But it mm -hmm. is a Karabakh conflict plus seven surrounding regions. Mm -hmm. uh, as a result of the war, uh, from the Azerbaijani perspective, Azerbaijan uh, lost uh, the Karabakh con uh, region and also the seven surrounding regions. And there are uh, four UN resolutions about this conflict, uh, which uh, required uh, uh, military forces of Armenia to leave uh, those occupied territories. However, these resolutions never been implemented mm -hmm. and Minsk Group also never, uh, let's say, pushed uh, for this. And we had 30 years of uh, uh, inefficient uh, diplomatic uh, discussion. Occasionally, there were uh, attempts by the uh, Minsk Group to bring the parties together in the late 90s and early 2006. And you asked the rule of Russia and briefly on that later, I will uh, reflect mm -hmm. on it. Russia is an interesting actor because it is next to the, uh, let's say, region, is one of the border regions, so it has a control mm -hmm. uh, over the borders, and it uh, used, had, uh, still is using, and it has used also this uh, conflict for its own benefit. So there are three approaches here. One approach is that Russia never wanted this conflict to move away from its original scope. So because, you know, Russia has also its internal issues with the in the 1990s with the Chechen uh, movement and the fighters. So uh, Russia tried to keep the scope limited. Second, uh, Russia is the military ally of Armenia. 
and uh, so also provided Armenia with a security guarantee and collective security agreement and there are two bases, uh, Russian bases in Armenia. However, Russia is also a strong uh, economic, uh, let's say, uh, friend or I would say the partner of uh, uh, Azerbaijan as well. So they have a strong economic relations because both from Armenia and Azerbaijan uh, communities living in Russia. So they are also part of, let's say, this economic. Yep. So on the one hand, Russia provided security guarantee to Armenia. On the other hand, uh, Russia sold weapons to Azerbaijan as a benefit. That's, and uh, yeah, that, that's ironically, it's also part of the peace uh, negotiation. Exactly. That's what I what I also wanted to, to touch upon briefly is that Russia has a strong security partnership with Armenia. Uh, has a military base there, but on the, in the meantime is also uh, selling weapons to Azerbaijan. So could you say that they are playing chess on two different ports at the same time? Yeah, I would say Russia always uh, like to uh, control these two countries. You know, on the one hand, uh, Russia has always used uh, Nag uh, Nagorno-Karabakh conflict uh, as a leverage over two countries. On the one hand, to Azerbaijan always, uh, you know, in a sense that, well, we will always help you to get it, uh, the occupied territories back uh, in a, under the Minsk group. So, but the, within the Russia, there is a stronger Armenian community and also a strong Armenian lobby, which is uh, would not uh, let it happen. So Russia cannot also make them uh, uh, upset in a sense. Uh, within Armenia, also Russia used this leverage uh, in the sense that look, there is a threat from uh, from your neighbors. So I am the only security guarantor. If you uh, do not cooperate with me, uh, there is a danger to you. So it created this kind of atmosphere uh, in the in the region. And then, of course, we saw in 2020 we saw a big uh, big conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia, and this resulted in Armenia taking back most of the territory that they had lost to Azerbaijan. To, uh, Azerbaijan lost. Yeah. Excuse me. Azerbaijan took back most of the territories they lost to Armenia uh, in in the 90s, uh, and then there was a peace resolution which included. Russian peacekeepers. Yes. Can you touch upon that? Yes, as you mentioned, the second uh, Karabakh war happened in, in uh, 2020 between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And as a result of the war, Azerbaijan uh, liberated its uh, occupied territories, uh, especially the seven surrounding regions uh, that uh, originally also uh, always, it, these are the regions that have never been contested. Now, some people yeah. say that, okay, it's, it's never been a contested. Yeah. And, uh, so there is a hope that, okay, one million Azerbaijani refugees finally can go back to their territories. And, uh, well, this peace, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it was a peace agreement because the, it was a uh, one and a half page, uh, let's say, uh, a ceasefire agreement uh, between Armenia and Azerbaijan under the Russian initiative. Yep. And again, Russia took initiative here to push parties for the uh, ceasefire agreement. It's not a peace agreement, but it's also not a ceasefire agreement. So it's in between. So it has, it has a it point. Has been, it has been described also by, exactly. uh, by, by outsiders as an agreement that basically saved the Armenian forces from total destruction. Yeah, I would say uh, it saved uh, Armenian forces. It also saved Azerbaijani forces as well, because overall, although Azerbaijan is the winning party uh, in the war, uh, but it cost both sides. Uh, uh, infrastructure, human beings, uh, soldiers, uh, civilians. So in the end, it I think uh, saved everyone from a total, 
let's say uh, extra costs yeah. but uh, especially i mean it also prevented armenia to lose extra and return other regions uh, luckily without uh, without fighting and here one aspect is very important because the main winner in this war uh, was i would say uh, this trilateral agreement again was russia because azerbaijan is the uh, one of the first countries uh, also the first country in the south caucasus who asked the russian uh, and the soviet forces to leave the azerbaijan because in the 1990s that's also going back to the history of the little bit about the conflict as you know and during the soviet union time there were russian military bases in two countries and also including georgia and azerbaijan was one of the countries asked uh, russian military forces to leave the country so it became the first country mm-hmm. uh, russian free let's say military forces unlike georgia and armenia and that's the time uh, in the 1990s russian uh, let's say military took side on on the side of the armenian uh, and they involved in the karabakh conflict by supporting the armenians that's also one of the reasons that Azerbaijan lost the war in the 1990s because they realized that geopolitically Azerbaijan is not in favoring their military interest back then. Mm. So this 2020, connecting back to the 2020 trilateral agreement is the winning point for the Russia because it is military forces after 30 years later came back to uh, Azerbaijan and entered the Azerbaijani territory yeah. and uh, it, it will be five years uh, according to the trilateral agreement, and then they, have, they have to decide whether exactly. they prolong the agreement. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, Ar- Armenia lost also its land connection from Nagorno-Karabakh to mainland Armenia, uh, and except for uh, one corridor, which is called the the Lachin Lachin corridor, corridor yeah. and this corridor is protected by two thousand Russian peacekeepers. So um, it is quite a volatile situation in a region where ethnic conflicts uh, between nations has been going on for decades. And now there's a, a peacekeeping force of 2,000 Russians, but Russia is rather preoccupied in Ukraine, you would say. Um, is there any, has there been, has there been any influence of the Ukraine war on these peacekeepers? Yeah. Uh, and if so, how has either side responded to it? Has, for example, either side taken, tried or attempted to take an advantage of the situation where you have Russia, which is rather preoccupied and has an interest clearly elsewhere? Yes, uh, as you mentioned, well, this conflict also received the influence uh, from the current conflict in, in Ukraine because Russia extended its colonial uh, approach uh, to it is another neighbor, uh, unfortunately, to Ukraine and what's going on there. And uh, well, uh, this great power image of Russia, I think, is destroyed in the Ukrainian conflict because we saw the uh, quality of the Russian military equipments and also the soldiers. Yeah. So because of the, uh, let's say, supply chain issues, uh, quality of the uh, soldiers, uh, well training of them, you know, in, in brackets. So they started to lose uh, ex- uh more than they planned. So there were some humors, I don't know whether later on they confirmed or not, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Russia denied these humors, uh, that uh, peacekeepers, among the peacekeepers, certain, uh, let's say, uh, numbers uh, were moved, transferred, not only from uh, Karabakh region, but also from Georgia, Abkhazia region as yep. well, to Ukrainian conflict that they have been involved. For example, uh, the ex-commander uh, of the peacekeepers, uh, um, the cousin, uh, he was also involved in uh, Ukraine. Uh, there were some humors that uh, he was injured uh, somehow uh, in the conflict. 
And whether this has been used either Azerbaijani side or Armenian side, we have heard some clashes between uh, forces uh, in the beginning of the conflict uh, that Azerbaijani uh, military forces uh, moved ahead. However, from Azerbaijani military force perspective, they said that while well, Russian peacekeepers closed their eyes for the military uh, train, not training, but uh, developments uh, in the uh, Armenian side uh, in the Karabakh uh, area, where uh, there are still certain Armenian military, let's say, uh, personnel. And because, uh, as you said, the Lachin Corridor, it's not only controlled by the Russian, but Azerbaijani government could also observe it. And they mm -hmm. saw that, well, what kind of military equipments enter and leave the Karabakh mm -hmm. region. Uh, they also observed with the drones that the military defense trenches uh, were prepared by the under the under the observation of the Russian peacekeepers. They said, well, we need to uh, avoid further defense lines uh, because yep. there shouldn't be defense lines, not somehow. So these are the developments uh, happened. And then one development happened from Armenian perspective and Azerbaijani perspective. This uh, gas, uh, uh, let's say, uh, coming from Armenia, going to Karabakh uh, region. Yep. And that was uh, stopped. Uh, Armenia argued that, well, this was done by Azerbaijan, but Azerbaijan on the other hand said, well, it's coming to my territory and it has an issue and we are willing to uh, we are willing to uh, repair that uh, part also as under the humanism or so it it is a difficult area you know like in the war happened that area uh, it's uh, maybe the maintenance could be issues mm -hmm. and it's a sensitive area because yeah easily you can blame each other hey you uh, you blow the pipeline away but on the other hand it could also be technical issue that no one did it so in, in the end azerbaijan repaired that pipeline and uh, couldn't find the confirmation from both sides who did what but uh, these kind of uh, developments happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because as you said, uh, ceasefire violations, they were reported also when uh, the war in Ukraine had started. And also reports of Baku starting a kind of rhetorical campaign discrediting the Russian peacekeepers, accusing them of corrupt uh, activities. Um, is there any, is there any, do we, do we need to take this seriously? I think, uh, uh, what is important here to see the first time Baku is actually openly criticize Russian exactly. peacekeepers. That's, that says a lot because as you can imagine, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Georgia, they are not big countries and they are not uh, powerful than uh, Russia. So in order to openly criticize this uh, dangerous neighbor, something seriously should happen. You know, like maybe I would say, um, uh, considering the diplomatic relations and little bit diplomatic, let's say, uh, literature, usually, uh, when the first incident happened, you try to do it uh, informally, like back channel, deliver the message to the parties. Second time also, you, uh, but third time, if it happens, it like continues and then yeah. your message and invitation is uh, neglected by your neighbor and Azerbaijan choose to do publicly. And I mm -hmm. think this is a very good uh, point. And I would say, yes, it is important to take it seriously because in the end, uh, Russia has already used the region for its own purposes, and I'm sure it will still use it because peacekeepers are like uh, controlling the hot water and cold water. And uh, the control of this water is under the Russian, uh, let's say, peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. When they want, they will open the hot water. When they want, they will open the cold water. Mm -hmm. So that's indeed uh, one of the reasons we should take it, yes, seriously, and especially if it comes a government level from a small country towards uh, uh, let's say, big neighbor, also yeah. dangerous neighbor. Yeah, so so Azerbaijan is really playing a very delicate balancing act uh, in this situation. I think we, we could agree also because uh, Azerbaijan has in the past had a really strong and good relationship also with Ukraine, 
Uh, I think they have also um, trained each other's military and they have cooperated quite intensively. So uh, how, is, how is Azerbaijan dealing with, with the war in Ukraine? How are they, because this is quite significant that they are openly criticizing the Russians now. Um, because they fought, they, in the past they were very, very well connected with Ukraine as well. Yes, uh, well, uh, as you said, uh, overall the government relations between Azerbaijan and uh, Ukraine is very strong, but also uh, societal relations uh, are also very good because of the uh, shared, uh, let's say, Soviet history and uh, overall the relations between them. And uh, here we need to look at the relationship between Azerbaijan and Ukraine since 2014, mm-hmm. more specifically, because uh, when Russia occupied uh, part of the Ukraine in 2014 Crimea, yes. and Crimea, so Ukraine started to share the same unfortunate uh, history like Azerbaijan. Because they, they felt have connected uh, because, because Azerbaijan the, lost its own territory. Regions. So then there is a commonality here. So yes. they establish empathy or enhance the already existing relations. And Ukraine, as you said, is one of the countries recognized territorial integrity of Azerbaijan. And Azerbaijan did uh, in return the same thing. However, uh, one day before the war started, uh, Azerbaijan also signed the war, in U- the war in Ukraine. U- the war in Ukraine, exactly. Uh, Azerbaijan also signed the agreement with Russia, and that's a part of the delegate balance to to confirm that Azerbaijan will not do any economic and military threat against the Russian interests. Because they also didn't join in the sanctions, uh, exactly. the widespread international sanctions, for example. Yeah, yeah, precisely. However, on the other hand, uh, Azerbaijani government, media, and society. Uh, helped and uh, sent their uh, donations like similar to other countries. Last time I uh, read, uh, government level, they uh, contributed 15 million, uh, let's say, euro to the humanitarian uh, help. Uh, Additionally, Azerbaijani oil uh, company Sokara announced that, well, the uh, benzene and other uh, energy things uh, would be free for the Mm. ambulance or the Mm. uh, any humanitarian needs. And plus, I have also saw uh, people, uh, ordinary citizens, did a support protest, which happened all around Europe for the Ukrainians. And uh, publicly, uh, without mentioning a uh, Russian uh, name, uh, one time uh, there was a meeting between international scholars and Azerbaijani president, and he said, well, that uh, Ukraine shouldn't forget it is on, uh, on uh, territories, like mm-hmm. although maybe they are lost, like we never forgot uh, our territory 30 years, and one day we got it back. So. Uh, I wish the Ukrainians same thing. So you can really see that uh, without mentioning and creating too much attention from Russia, Azerbaijan media, public and government level uh, supporting and supported the Ukrainian. However, here one point we need to highlight. Um, Of course, Ukraine also supported Azerbaijan in the Armenian, but here you need to check the balance between uh, two countries. Ukraine uh, supported Azerbaijan against Armenia. It's a, a tiny country. But you take extra risk uh, to support Ukraine against Russia, which is a dangerous and uh, colonial-minded country. I mean, Armenia cannot invade uh, Ukraine, but Russia can do something against Mm -hmm. Azerbaijan if Azerbaijan also does this very public, like, what are you... Uh, what are you doing in there? Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, it is a little bit uh, a thin and I would say uh, a dangerous uh, diplomacy. Yeah, very, very precarious. I want to I wanna touch upon also the feelings in, in Armenia um, because Armenians have generally expressed, generally expressed that they also feel a little bit disillusioned because of the lack of international support they received when they, in their eyes, they were attacked uh, um, with violence 
uh, aggressively by Azerbaijan in their 2020 uh, conflict. Uh, yeah, what, what can we, what can we, what do we see in in Armenia? What's the response in Armenia to the conflict in Ukraine? Yes, uh, well, it's Armenia is also, as you mentioned already, very interesting neighbor of Russia uh, because of it is uh, military relations. So, in the what I have observed based on the news uh, I have read, there are two kind of let's say uh, reactions. Uh, public level, it's already divided. On the one hand, uh, we have seen protests uh, supporting Russian invasion. For example, the separatist uh, leader uh, in uh, Karabakh uh, region, this uh, Armenian uh, leader, he, he mentioned uh, and supported Russian recognition of uh, Ukrainian occupied territories. And he said, well, Russia should follow the same uh, behavior. Uh, and Armenian, uh, let's say, uh, let's say this separatist leader also re- expected uh, recognition from Russia. So that's another one. And in, inside the Armenia, there were also small group uh, protested this with Z, uh, uh, Z alphabet uh, protest. Yeah, th- there were also co- communist uh, exactly. politicians, which are rather insignificant in insignificant, Armenia, but yeah, they but are still, still there, they, small groups. And on the other hand, we saw the support of the uh, groups, uh, solidarity towards the Ukrainians yeah. as well. So in the society level, we could see this. And uh, for your question, what Armenia feels uh, disappointed, I would say this is a little bit uh, ironic because when we look at the balance, uh, when we look at the first of international law, when we look at the UN decisions, European Union decisions, it's other way around uh, because Azerbaijan should feel here, to be honest, offended because the resolution, UN resolutions, demanded not Azerbaijani military forces, but Armenian military forces to leave. Mm. And in the end, uh, Azerbaijan should, uh, I think, hear or supposed to feel offended because then we didn't see the same same support as well because yes international community uh, european community or others they don't uh, show the similar support to uh, armenia because first of all uh, of the international law you cannot go against international law but then you you need to show the same support to russia Mm. today because Mm. you should say well ukraine you are not like and also georgia case and moldova case Mm. because these are the same cases however I also don't agree that the European uh, governments uh, ignored, because when we look at France, when we look at the United States, and when we look at the Netherlands, I would say publicly, uh, government level, Christian uh, parties, uh, right-wing parties, openly supported uh, and wrote protest letters to their own governments uh, to put pressure on Azerbaijan during the uh, second uh, Karabakh war. So in mm. the end, actually, you know, certain European governments did this. They did uh, publicly support, maybe not as much as the Ukrainian case. Talking about these these European governments is interesting uh, because now that Russia is uh, diverted slightly by its war and well, slightly uh, significantly by the war in Ukraine, uh, does that create uh, room for opportunity for maybe perhaps the European Union to step into the region and to increase its influence? Or would you say that the security role of Russia is still too too large? Yes. Well, um, right now what we observe a positive developments between Armenia and Azerbaijan, uh, which is very nice and hopefully the true peace agreement will sign between two countries. And indeed, Brussels uh, has increased its involvement, peace initiatives uh, between Armenia and Azerbaijan and the president and the prime minister uh, of Armenia and president of Azerbaijan, they have met uh, in Brussels Which is times. quite significant. Very they good. didn't do that for a very long uh, period. Indeed. 
plus not only presidential level, but also uh, foreign uh, ministries level also meetings happen. Foreign ministry advisors uh, meeting uh, happens, and also there is a. Um, they also decided under the um, Brussels, uh, let's say, initiative, the marcation of borders, so that finally recognize each other's uh, territorial integrity and move mm-hmm. ahead. And it's a very good and important peace initiative by the Brussels, and I hope this will in, uh, move ahead because. Azerbaijan or Armenia not, but Azerbaijan was frustrated with the France, and France was the only country uh, representing uh, Minsk and the uh, uh, European Union within the discussions until 2020. And now it is uh, not anymore there, so it's uh, great. However, there is one danger here because Moscow also uh, has involved in these uh, peace negotiations and it has own agenda and plans, so mm-hmm. we don't know what is it. So they, we can see maybe a competition between peace uh, discussions which could lead to a negative consequence, rather a deadlock, another deadlock than positive. So here Brussels also needs to make sure that uh, while Russia is busy somewhere else in an unfortunate situation, at least Brussels should score and uh, make a, a positive development uh, in the region. That's an interesting uh, interesting development for sure. Uh, the European Union's foreign policy has not always been uh, very, uh, very on the same page. Uh, perhaps they can tr- really try to exert influence positively in this case, uh, with Russia being uh, diverted. Um, I wanted to t- touch uh, slightly also on the role of Turkey in this situation, because Turkey has historically been, of course, a great ally of Azerbaijan, uh, and has also had uh, big struggles uh, with Armenia. Armenians accused Turkey of the Armenian genocide in 1918. Um, but we have seen uh, we have seen that the uh, Armenian uh, pre- Prime Minister and also uh, Prime Minister President Erdogan they met in Turkey, or I think the Foreign Ministry of Foreign Minister of, of Turkey they met in in, uh, in 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 a summit in Turkey uh, to discuss uh, relations. For example, they have a closed border; they do very little trade, and this could benefit Armenia uh, strongly if they would uh, cease these uh, restrictions. Um, yeah, how, how do what can we what can we say on 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 Armenia strengthening its relations with Turkey, and do you think there is any merit to it? Yes, I, uh, well, uh, as a foreign minister level, yes, uh, they met uh, between the Turkey. Yes, and, I, I said president, Armenia. but it was yeah. the foreign ministers. I and think, yeah. uh, it is a, on the first and a very positive development. Of course, Turkey uh, has always been in the region, and uh, as you said, a strategic ally for Azerbaijan. And after the Second Karabakh War, it increased its military, uh, trade, and economic influence in the region. And the developments between Turkey and Armenia would be positive step. Of course, the war was a negative thing, uh, but we should also move ahead and look for the opportunities. And the first opportunity would be to decrease the Russian influence in Armenia, because economically Armenia depends on uh, Russia more. And Turkey, by the way, shouldn't be compared by uh, Russia as a negative here, uh, uh, let's say, a country, because mm-hmm. Turkey is a NATO member mm-hmm. and serves for the Western interest. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, Europe and right now uh, Turkish uh, government has problems, but uh, overall and strategically, Turkey is one, one of I the think, I think Erdogan so. recently uh, started a big campaign of uh, increasing his image a little bit. Exactly, as well. So I think the here uh, Turkey and Erdogan should be 
taken separately in a yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Uh, therefore, uh, involvement between the Turkey and Armenia will increase the trade relations. Plus, mm. uh, it will also hopefully create uh, more security uh, from the Armenian perspective as well to see the Turkey less threat because uh, that's what uh, Russia is always using against uh, Azerbaijan and Armen- uh, Armenia in a sense that, hey, Armenia, you are in a uh, deadlock. On the one hand, you have a threat from uh, Turkey. On the other hand, you have a threat from Azerbaijan. I am the only guarantor. Mm-hmm. So when this uh, relations are normalized between Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Turkey, they so Ar- don't need the Russians. They don't need o- overall this security. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you need the security guarantee mm-hmm. when you have a good relations with your neighbor? Plus, uh, you can join the international uh, energy uh, infrastructure and other projects. Uh, for example, Azerbaijan and Turkey has uh, they have implemented uh, gas and oil projects together with Georgia. So New mm-hmm. Georgia can be Armenia as well. Why not? Because of the current uh, peace agreement they are discussing, they are also discussing the Zangyazur corridor, which will open the relations uh, from Turkey to Armenia and then from there to Azerbaijan, this trade road mm-hmm. and railway road. So that means uh, influence of ter- uh, Russia will also significantly start to decrease. So in this regard, the normalization hopefully again is a positive step and should continue and be comprehensive. In the end, so we all will see that um, the peace and cooperation will dominate rather than this insecurity, which also hopefully influenced this military uh, spendings as well in, in all the countries. So you could spend those money for the education development, development rather than your uh, yeah uh, broken Russian uh, equipments. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, I think uh, Russians they were also using in Ukraine uh, uh, first aid kits from um, the 70s or the 80s. It was really, uh, really ridiculous. Um, yeah, looking f- looking to the future because it's interesting point. If Armenia can strengthen its relations with Turkey, uh, also because of the fact that Russia's role is now a little bit less apparent because of its attention to Ukraine. Um, many many uh, many observers have said that if Russia would lose the war in Ukraine. Armenia would have a big security problem because currently its security is guaranteed by Russia, by the peacekeepers, by Russian base uh, in in Armenia. Um, do you agree with this point, or do you think that it's really realistic that Turkey and perhaps even the West can act as a serious security guarantor for for Armenia? Because in the past we have seen with Georgia, they mm-hmm. tried to get security guarantees from NATO countries, but they failed, and Russia was was there to to invade them. Yeah, well, it's a very interesting uh, perspective. Well, first of all, I would say uh, Armenia should be a security guarantor to itself, not Turkey, Russia, or Azerbaijan, or the West should, because no one will protect you in the first place. So you should be, first of all. Second, when we look at the reality, uh, neither Azerbaijan nor uh, Turkey uh, demand a land from the internationally recognized Armenian territory. So when I say this, people sometimes say, well, you are biased. I said, well, this is not a bias. Well, let's look at the reality. Mm. For example, um, Armenia declare, uh, has a claim also, a territorial claim also on Turkey. They have this Agri mountain, or uh, in Armenian, Ararat mountain, Ararat mountain. But that's inside the Turkey. It's a holy mountain for, for the them. Armenian uh, Christian there is Christians. No, yeah. Uh, what, why do you claim these territories? In the first place, you need to be happy what you have while asking from a great power on the one hand, regional power, another territory, another oil-rich country, another territory. You know, like no one asked territory for it. So in the end, it's not about Russia, Turkey, Azerbaijan, or the West. It should be you, your internal politics. And I think the biggest threat to uh, Armenian territorial integrity, from my personal, uh, let's say, even from Azerbaijani scholar perspective, is the uh, Armenian diaspora. It's bigger threat for the Armenian 
territorial integrity because they live in California, Netherlands, Amsterdam, or the luxury European and Western cities. And they are the one, uh, first of all, against the peace agreement between Pashinyan and uh, uh, Aliyev. They are the one against normalization relations between Turkey and Armenia. Mm. Uh, they never been in the region. They don't know what people feel in the region through people who are living in the border, who suffer from these uh, war consequences. And they are the one talking to the Western politicians to block and to prevent and create this euphoria. So in the end, yes, if Armenia managed to, in the first place, to deal with it, its own dangerous nationalistic diaspora. Second, uh, Russia hopefully will lose the war uh, in Ukraine. So in the end, if their normalizations go together, so there is no no need to worry about your neighbors so because no one is going to hopefully uh, invade you or planning to invade you. And even Azerbaijan, for example, put five points uh, towards the peace agreement. And one of the points is let's recognize each other's territorial integrity. And then that's most important thing. So that then you stop uh, requiring rank f- land from each other. But does that also include the area that is still held by, well, de facto Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh? Yes, uh, uh, that is the part actually, uh, Armenia said that we are willing to recognize that part uh, as part of Azerbaijan. Uh, because uh, under the international law, it is mm-hmm. part of Azerbaijan, and right now Azerbaijan has the full control except for the peacekeepers area. So that's the right now discussion between, and the only question is left, uh, what will be the tale of uh, ethnic Armenians that living in the Azerbaijani territory? And uh, yep. last week, uh, what I have observed is the discussion is that, well, they will receive the similar and same equal treatment and the status as the any other ethnic uh, people, because in Azerbaijan, it's not a mono-ethnic country. There are Jewish population, uh, Russian population, uh, Talish population. It's uh, a very diverse region. It's a diverse region, and everyone has equal right. It, as it's not like, uh, well, we are living in Switzerland, everything is going super good. It has own own problems right there, now. And Azerbaijan issues. also has internal uh, yeah, problems with... Problems, uh, other issues uh, developing Demo- or human democracy rights, issues democracy. yeah but it doesn't mean that so all these countries uh, so ethnic populations together well they can work for the better uh, country in the future so that's right now i think the part of uh, uh, discussion so so, so to con- to conclude a little bit um, russia is the player in the region that is uh, that is, has continuously tried to install instability by dealing arms to Arme- to Azerbaijan, but being also a, a security guarantor to Armenia. And with its attention now in Ukraine elsewhere, this does provide an opportunity for Armenia and Azerbaijan to come together, perhaps also in cooperation with Turkey and Western countries to really foster a long-standing peace agreement and recognize each other's territories. Uh, do you think that looking forward to the next period, uh, that there is serious, serious, serious enough uh, intent in both countries to to do this. Yes, I think it will be a great conclusion uh, sentence uh, to say that uh, and, uh, while Russia is busy somewhere else, hopefully these two countries, together with the support of the Turkey and the West, will intensify and move ahead and sign the agreement. And I think the next step will be, uh, well, the five years already moving ahead to kick uh, and get rid of the uh, Russian peacekeepers in the region. And there is no need uh, to worry about an insecurity among the other ethnic populations uh, in the region. So in the in the end, yes, uh, I, I hope there will be a good agreement uh, between Azerbaijan and Azer- uh, Armenia and 
finally a peace agreement, not a Bishkek protocol style, not ceasefire, a ceasefire a agreement, agreement, but a true peace agreement that they move ahead. So respecting each other's uh, ethnic they, groups. Exactly, their population, integrity, because to be honest, uh, when you look at the spendings on the military and other things, uh, uh, they could spend this money for the education, development, any other things, and for the improvement of the human society, exactly. rather than uh, rather than uh, making a territory uh, militarized. I think that uh, concludes a very interesting conversation. Uh, Aga, thank you for, again for uh, tuning in with us. Um, if you if you would like to leave a review on the podcast, uh, please do so. And uh, tune, may, be sure to tune in to any of our events and read any of our articles. They are edited by a great team of editors. And I uh, want to thank you once again for listening to the Security Distillery podcast. See you on the next one. Thank you. <laughs>